Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Rip. I'm your host, Ryan Ripkin, and this is a podcast where I bring on a variety of people from various industries to talk about their journey. And regardless of the path they've chosen to take, I promise you, if you listen to the words, there is a lot of things that you can relate to. But for some reason, if there isn't, I promise you there are a lot of great stories. And this week's guest is Nick Hawkins. And in a very simple term, Nick Hawkins is a lawyer that really has specialized in brand strategy. And what that really means is from a legal standpoint, how can you keep growing your brand and market? And also how can you protect that entity? And he has done a lot of work with corporate groups, companies, beverage companies, Under Armour, you name it. He's had a lot of experience across many different type of businesses. And then we also get into food because Nick is a huge foodie. So we have a great dialogue about that. But before we get into the interview, please subscribe to the Off Script with Rip podcast. It is out on any platform or if you are watching on YouTube, the links are all over and they are in the bio as well. But now, without further ado, here is the interview with Nick Hawkins. Welcome to another episode of Off Script with Rip. I'm your host, Ryan Ripkin, and this week's guest is Nick Hawkins, who's actually a new friend. We met, what, a few weeks ago? A few weeks ago. ago, that's right, yeah. And uh, friends of friends, uh, I guess you can call that networking. There we go. Finally, you're getting this going. If people might see a little bit behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I, I really need to get better with my time. You did a great job. You did a great job. I didn't yeah. do a good job, but that's the thing. For the record, he did a great job. Okay, okay, modest. That's why I like him. That's why he's sticking around. And we have a big foodie here, and I think we might oh, jump yeah. into some of that later Absolutely. on. But just for everyone that doesn't know who you are, um, just tell us a little bit about your backstory. You're a Maryland native as well, and I just love this part of this podcast as people explain a little bit of their journey. So the floor is yours, Nick. Sure. Thanks, man, for having me on. Um, this is a real big treat for me. Um, I am from Maryland. Uh, I went to Poly for high school. Um, not quite a rivalry of Gilman, but you know in that area. Yeah, it, it, they're in the vicinity. <laughs> not, even, not even close to Gilman, but, but I went to Poly. So for any listeners who are city, you know we have that we have that riff. But, um, no, went to Poly, and then I stayed local for undergrad. I went to Loyola for undergrad, and then for some reason couldn't leave Baltimore. I just love it so much, so I stayed for um, law school, business school, first job, second job, and. Here I am. And here you so are. So many years later. So, okay. So you're, you're here. So what, what is that job entail? Yep. What, you know, and this is, I kind of know what we're going to talk about today, but this is part of it. So what did you decide to, you wanted to go into or your kind of job history to get to where you are today? Yeah, no. So I'm a lawyer um, and I practice mostly what I like to call branding law. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that's a little bit of marketing, advertising, trademarks, um, trade secrets, or a lot of people call it like the soft IP practices. Right. Um, and then we can dig into it a little bit, a little bit later. But I also kind of pivoted my career a couple years ago to also do uh, M&A, corporate governance type work um, at the firm. So, um, and as we kind of talk about my, my history, you'll kind of see that it's, it's all kind of within the kind of sports and entertainment um, area. It's the industry that I've kind of thrived at for many years. Um, and being at a firm now, I service a bunch of different clients across industries, including that one. So that, that's interesting to me just because each of us to get to where we are, I love this here, 
where we are or where we were and where we got to. But I got to ask, when you were younger, was, was being a lawyer, that was what you wanted to be? Okay, there we go. So I'll tell you, my grandmother, I think I was like running around her living room or something like that, arguing with her or, you know, being contrary or something. She goes, you're going to be a lawyer. And I must have thought she meant liar or something like that because I was just like, no, Grandma, I'm not going to do that. That sounds horrible, you know. And sure enough, Grandma called it. You know, so many years later, I, I, I'm a lawyer. But were I, you also a liar, though? Or you, or you never told That will not be put on record. <laughs> so he's never told a lie. But it's just, because I, I just remember, I, for me, I always, I wanted to play baseball. Yeah. Right. But yeah. sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. But there's so many possibilities. And when you're a kid, you have different aspirations. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't remember a lot of people, that's why I ask, of yeah. saying, I want to be a lawyer when I grow up. It wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. Quite honestly, um, I played basketball a lot. I shot hoops a lot. And I was just like, listen, I wanted to be, as a matter of fact, in my fifth grade yearbook, it's what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, I want to be in the NBA. I want to play basketball. So you do have the aspirations of being... In- I had the aspirations. And I think we might have talked about this. I played baseball for a while growing up. I was not good. <laughs> uh, they put... They put all the kids who are like, eh, like, eh, right. <laughs> like you get stuck in writing. So there's a chart, actually, I think, where they say they put the best kid or coach's kid at shortstop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The slowest. He's the favorite. Slowest, biggest kid at first. And I played a lot of first. There you go. There but you go. I, yeah, I'm not that fast. And then the right field, unfortunately, was that, – that's according to this, this diagram that's, that's floating around a meme – I don't believe All you need that. is a lefty, and then you shine, right? It's like, mine. That's all you need. Yeah. But just, you know, just like in uh, The Longest Yard, Brucey's time to shine. There you just go. needed that There moment. you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it, but going into the, the, the career and, and with, with being a lawyer, it's, it's, a lot more, it's a lot more schooling. It can be tedious. It can be, even I feel like it can be monotonous. I'm sure there was days where you were the process, or actually I'll ask you, do you, was there any parts of, of the process of law school that you were in, like, you know, going through this whole process? Was that, was that enjoyable? <laughs> or, because yeah, people do that, you like pain and suffering is what you're asking, right? Well, right? I mean, yeah, but, but no. honestly, that's yeah, what I, yeah. I mean. I know people love what they're doing for work yes. now. Yeah, yeah. But that, I, I don't know a lot of people that really enjoyed, and that's not just to say no, with, sure. with, yeah. with being a lawyer. There's a lot of industries and practices. But, no, for me... Um, I knew what my end result wanted to be, mm-hmm. and in order to do that, I knew that there was a path to get there, right? And that's yeah. for any profession, right? You got to put the time in and you, to get the result, right? And so, uh, was it fun? I wouldn't say law school is fun, necessarily. There are parts of it that I really enjoy. There are parts of it that I could have left alone, but it was all necessary to get to where I am today, right? Yeah. Um, but again, that's the same for you, right? In order to get to where you are, there are parts that you might have enjoyed and parts that you didn't necessarily, but it's all to get to kind of the end result. Yeah. I mean, it's the challenges. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. The, it's the growth. It's the growth. Yeah. Man, does the growth suck sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to yeah. like it. I mean, I actually, yeah. I talked about in the past, the big concept's failure. And <laughs> no one likes failure, even though when everyone says it's, it's, it is the greatest teaching tool yeah. going through it. But man... If you say you like failure, I, I don't agree with you. There's not one time where you're sitting there like, yes. Yes, let me fail. Uh, yes, yeah, I love yeah. failing. You go, I failed, I can fix it. Exactly. Um, but so you moved through it, you got through law school, yeah. and, and then you moved on, and this is where things got a little bit more fun. So you can just touch on then 
coming out with your, your first job and, and being on the scenes? Because I know that there's a progression essentially to get to where you're not going to be necessarily thrown right into maybe, I don't want to say what you enjoy doing, but you've worked your way up. So can sure. you just touch on that a little bit no, on absolutely. entering yeah. in? Yeah. So the, the traditional path for a lot of law students out of law school is, you know, you practice for the bar. You take the bar. During that time period, right after you take the bar, um, you know, might be clerking for a judge. You might be working at a law firm. Um, and then after that's all said and done, you get the bar results and what have you. And you're usually either done your clerkship or you continue your clerkship during that time. And, um, or you're working at a firm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somehow I, I cracked the code, right? I went right in-house out of law school, which is generally mm-hmm. unheard of. Usually most corporations want attorneys who are... Um, well kind of into their years of practice and very knowledgeable and and I just kind of was like nope I'm going to go in-house um, and so I was in-house at Under Armour for four years they brought me on as an intern uh, while I was in law school and um, I just kind of held on for dear life and, and they let me stay proved my worth of course and um, I was an attorney there for, for four years. Well, that's yeah. It's no matter what it is, it feels like it's always an audition. Essentially, the interning, absolutely, you know. Yeah, and I know that for me, it's it's different being in sports because I guess the audition is when you're playing to try to get selected, and once you're selected or you're drafted, then you're trying to prove your worth more. But the whole everything when you're trying to get an intern coming out of college, coming out of law school, they're testing to see if you are made for absolutely. this company. Yeah. Um, is there any point during that time where you're sitting there going, you know? I, I don't know if I if, if they like me. I don't know if I'm going to handle this. Like, did you have second? Did you have doubts, or were you pretty oh, confident? No, no, absolutely. I'd be stupid to sit here and say that I didn't have doubts. But at the same time, you know, like it's you got to make it happen. You know, but that's in anything, right? You, you just got to have to make it happen, right? And so, and I think the the challenge is is that um, most, and this is for like anyone who's who's thinking about legal practice mm-hmm. and who wants to go in house because that is a coveted position for a lot of yeah. people, is that. Um, you, you know, you you really have to um, have the experiences and know what you're talking about a lot of times because you'll be put into situations with executives, with um, right. senior management, and be asked to give an opinion, you know, from a legal perspective. And I was put into that position a lot of times out of law school, right? So I had to, you know, trial by fire, right? Learn yeah. quickly, you know, and get up to speed on a lot of things. But for me, that was the best way to learn. That was the best way to grow. Um, and they saw that I could do that, and so they gave me more. They gave me more. They gave me more, right? Um, and I think for, for anything, though, it's if, if you prove yourself, um, you keep working hard, you excel at what you do, you, you shine and outshine, you know, people will trust you. Yeah. So is the trial, tri- the trial you know, by error, trial by moving things quickly or trying to see how efficiently you can be, when you got into a rhythm, did you understand what made you work? Was there something you told yourself to be... Or was it just your back's against the wall, kind of, you, you got to yeah, you gotta was, put up or shut up type yeah, of mentality? Yeah. yeah, it was, I didn't want to get fired. <laughs> I mean, that's a great, that's a great answer. I mean, no, 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 that wasn't my motivator. That wasn't my motivator, but. That's a, I mean, but, that'd be a pretty good motivator to me. It, it hey, <laughs> don't lose your job. Don't lose your job, right? No, but listen, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, and as you know, Under Armour is a Baltimore company and there's something special about the company, right? Mm-hmm. And I was really privileged and honored to have worked there. And to meet some really cool people and some great mentors. Yeah. Um, and to work on some really cool stuff, right? And right. so from my perspective, it was, you know, um, this is a privilege. Yeah. You know, and I can't screw it up. Right. 
That's, you know what? And I was just thinking about that because sometimes you're right. Opportunities come about that not everyone's going to have a chance to be a part of. And I think sometimes we get caught up nowadays of when you're in the moment and you get frustrated. And I, I look, I first tank, it's just, it's, it's striking with me. There was things that bothered me with pro ball. Sure. There's things that bothered me with how the setups were. Do I think that is there flaws in the business? Absolutely. But the privilege to be able to play, to have the chance, to have the opportunity, you know, that was something reflecting, like, you know, I, I always appreciated that because yeah. I also know that there's people that would do anything, would die to have that opportunity. Sure. So, sure. I mean, that's a good way to, you're just, you're, you're enlightening me with that before we even get well, into the good stuff. Well, I mean, it's a driver, right? Yeah. It's a motivator, right? It makes you appreciate things differently. Um, and that's in anything, right? I mean, yeah. maybe even, even being a lawyer, right? Um, you know, how many people have tried and, you know, to take the bar and haven't done so. And for those who are trying, I encourage you to keep doing it, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, not everyone gets to do everything. And if you are able to do it, then, you know, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are really good at what you do. Yeah. Well, and also with all of it, if you like something, you enjoy something, you only, if it's something you love, don't let that opportunity blow away. Yeah, Absolutely. Because if you do that, first impressions are a big thing too. Yep. We even talked about that. First impressions, work ethic. If you have a dream, don't let that squander because it doesn't mean you're going to have it in the future. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, and actually, like, I learned that the hard way myself where when I got released by the Nationals, I sat there and after, I'm like, did I really do everything I wanted to do? Meaning, did I put my best foot forward all the time, not that I, it wasn't because I wasn't working hard, but the perspective of, do I really understand the magnitude of, of, of what I'm doing? Is this how I want to remember how I went about, or I shouldn't say how I went about, I worried a ton. I was anxious yeah. about in my mind, yeah. went somewhere else focusing on things that I couldn't control rather than what I could do in this moment with what I am capable and what's not out of my hands. But isn't that great though that you had the opportunity to take a step back and be introspective? Right, but I mean that. But that was because I lost the opportunity. Yeah. And you're sitting there, and when it happens, and you lose the opportunity, you sit there and go, "Oh shit! Like I can't believe that. Why would I do this? Like why would I?" And I I actually I did a podcast the other day with talking with um, a parent. His son goes to Gilman, and he wanted to get more, you know, information and, and see about how to help the younger generations. And that was the thing that just clicked with me about like, man, like I, I, I wish, I wish I just, I enjoyed the moment, but I wish that I realized of what actually mm. matters no, in that sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It goes by fast. It goes by fast. And if you don't, what is it? Stop the smell of the roses. I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but it's it's quite true, man. Like if I could tell you, you know, I've I've been practicing for about almost eight years now, mm-hmm. a little over eight years now. Well, no, almost eight years now, and time goes like that, you know. Yeah. And and anything you do, whether it's law, baseball, you know, you really have to just savor every single moment and take something from every single moment in order to continue to grow, continue to push forward. You know. Yeah. I learn from those mistakes, you know. You know, trial by fire is fine. You know, learn from that experience. Learn from the failures, as you mentioned earlier. Right. Um, and all of this part of this amazing kind of growth process. Yeah. That's good. Well, now we got a little bit into that. Now let's go into some more of the fun aspects. Yeah, that was all of the your stuff. Yeah, we're done with the emotional, feel good. 
But I think what was interesting when we talked about this, when we met branding, marketing, and hearing that, and it's such a huge component of what we do on a day-to-day, so what companies do, but your perspective, you're, you're seeing it not just from a consumer's vantage point, you're behind the scenes about how do we not only make this, whatever products, companies, you know, resonate and, and be there for, yeah, the consumers and, and the everyday person or whatever they're in, but then also the behind the scenes. Yeah. And so just walk me through a little bit about going in. What was one of the first few things that really kind of took you either by surprise that you were interested yeah. or even just give a lowdown on the branding and marketing in general on, from, a, from a, a lawyer's perspective? <laughs> from a lawyer's perspective. Uh, well, I, I will say first that I'm a very creative person kind of naturally. Yeah. Right? And so I was drawn to the law, right? And, and as a quick segue, um, there, was a part, there was a time period where I was a paralegal at um, a plaintiff's kind of um, products liability personal injury firm. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was going to be my path, right? And I really enjoyed it. I had great mentors there. Um, but like, there was this creative side of me that was like itching, right, and yearning to come out. And so when I went to law school, I was like, "There's got to be a way for me to nurture this creativity, right, this creative piece of me, um, and still kind of marry it with the law, which I really wanted to be a lawyer." Um, and so that's when I kind of found IP, intellectual property, right. And I uh, work with Maryland Volunteer Lawyers for the Arts. They are a local arts uh, nonprofit that pro bono services to artists mm-hmm. and I work with them a lot and I was like well, this is it man I really enjoy this and then I was like well I wonder if I could do something <laughs> in sports too right yeah and um it was uh well I, I one of my very close friends dear friends um she worked at the law school and kind of long story short shot in the dark sent my resume over to um one of the the heads in legal at UA and um, that's how I got the internship, right? So very long story short. But then when I was there, I was like, this is perfect because yeah. I'm working in sports, what I love. I'm working in kind of the creative industry, which is what I love. Yeah. I was supporting the, the, the marketing teams, the brand teams, the product teams. And so my job was to kind of vet a lot of the product, the commercials, the marketing that came through from a legal perspective, right? So I put a legal lens on it. Um, and made sure that it was safe to kind of put out there into the universe, right? And you'll find that a lot of lawyers at a lot of companies, and I do this now on my day-to-day at a firm, mm-hmm. um, is to kind of vet these things and make sure that they both protect the company and that they, I'm like a conduit, right? I, you know, make sure that it protects the company, but pushes it through, pulls it through so that the consumer sees the vision, but yeah. it's protected, right? right? That's kind of my goal and my 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 duty, right, as a lawyer working in the creative space. Being protective. So in the, in the creative space, so then just get, if you have any examples, you don't have to go truly into specifics, but if we're looking at if there's any companies of things that you've noticed out there right now, if you were just even trying to think, you know, a lot of companies in general, I guess when I look at it, I, I, I never even think about the protection part. Or sorry, not the protection part. I guess what I, I'm trying to understand the creative part with being a lawyer. So with that is that no, I, I don't mean that in a bad way because I know that you guys are very in tune. People, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, naturally, that's what I was going with. No, because I, I have a lot of friends that are some of the most, 
you know, they're able to think on their feet constantly and make creative is not the right word, but they're able to adapt. Yeah. So I guess what would be an example of, of your protecting the creativity or you being able to express that? Yeah. So it's not, it's not so much like I'm not the one who's designing product, right? Right. No, I'm, no, yeah, yeah. no, I'm not the one who's, you know, um, thinking of the really cool ideas, but what I love is being part of that process for me, right? Mm. And so, like, I don't need to be the one to create it, right? But I can be the help. I can be the one to help shepherd it to its like end result, which is a lot of times the consumer-facing product, right? Yeah. And you know, both when I was in house and kind of now in my practice, you know, I always tell my clients that you know, involve legal in as early as possible. Involve me into the meetings. Involve me into the brainstorming sessions. I will shut up and sit back and listen. But the sooner you do that, the better I am going to be able to make sure that you guys are delivering the right message to the consumer, that you're protected, right? Um, and, and that the, the, the entire kind of brand profile or the image or the, the vision that you're trying to put out there um, is the right one, right? Yeah. Um, and so I like to think of legal as a necessary part of the creative process. Yeah. You know, not a, not a separate part like, okay, we got to run over to like mom and dad legal and say, you know, can we do this? But it's, it's part of the process. Well, it's a, t- it's a team component too. And you, the, it, it makes perfect sense with everything, what you're doing. If, if you feel like everyone's involved in the process, one, you feel, feel it's, it's a team effort one, but two, you have a better understanding of what you have to try Absolutely. to, what you actually have to try Absolutely. to get across or protect or to message. Um, so would that be, cause just dealing with, you saw it with a, with a sports company like that. Does it change when you have to add in, you know, if it's certain clients, if it's like specific independent, you know, if it's athletes, if it's entertainers, does that change it or does it still fall under, you know, the, or is it a combination of the company and the athlete? Cause I, I feel like in some cases, the partnership when, when companies, when you see, if say it was UA, say it was Nike, say it was, Adidas, there's a partnership with the player and the brand. Yep. But then there's also the separate entity of the player and the separate entity of the brand. Is those, are those things that you also then, I'm assuming, have to consider? Yeah, so listen. So brands will go, generally, go after uh, influencers, athletes, celebrities who will represent them well. Right? I mean... I guess in some instances you might see a marriage that doesn't make sense, but you know, for the most part, um, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the context of a, a kind of a marketing or a sponsorship company and an athlete or a celebrity, um, you know, they look for celebrities and individuals who would represent their brands. Well, and one of the things that was really big right now, especially, um, in sports is, um, you know, college athletes and their ability yeah. to, yeah, ability to kind of um, uh, uh, get money off of their NIL, right? Name, image, and likeness, right? Um, and so, you know, it, for, for kind of our generation, millennials and Gen Zers, right? One of the things to think about uh, if you are a young athlete is, you know, am I portraying the kind of image that would kind of bring to me a company um, that would want to represent me, right? Mm-hmm. And also, if I have a lot of companies that are coming to me, you know, do they have the image or the vision 
or the mission that I would want to be a part of, right? Yeah. So it's got to make sense on both sides. Yeah, know? yeah, and, and I agree with that. It, and it happens all the time with the whole college sports and how things have changed and how athletes can be perceived. But also in that case, these athletes are still, you know, a lot of these are teenagers, young, 20-something-year-olds where you're, they're trying to figure it out. I guess in some cases, but, but companies still will go with controversial. It's not, and not that you want to do that, but that has been a thing. And a, a person, and obviously it's gone down a, a wild path, but like Kanye West was a character. No, but like, honestly, I'm curious. Yeah, like, yeah, is, yeah. As a legal, rep- or if, if, to legally represent a situation right that with Kanye and all the stuff that's happened, and I know that his deals have changed, but this hasn't, it's magnified over the last, you know, five, ten years eventually, or whatever it's been happening with him, but he's always kind of had this persona of, he's a wild card. He's a rebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does, does that, but I guess in my mind, does that give you more anxiety then on your, from your perspective, or is that an understanding that this is the risk? Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's a great question. I think as I get older, and, and mind you, I've only been eight years old, so when I say that, people might laugh, but like as I kind of move through you know, the ages of being a lawyer. Um, when I was younger, it was like, oh my God, this is risky. Oh my God, this is risky. We shouldn't do this. Yeah. And then you start to realize that like, you know, you have to put on the marketing, the branding, the company lens. Some companies uh, will take on more risk than others. And some are more risk adverse, right? And so you have to remember, and like for any of my clients, like mm-hmm. if I'm working with a bank, a financial services company, yeah. they're probably um, less likely to take on a lot of risk. Makes sense. Right? Yeah. Um, a disruptive startup that's, you know, doing something really cool, let's say in the cannabis business, for instance, right? Like, yeah. they're willing to take a lot of risks, usually, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the kind of influencers, the athletes, or the celebrities that they'll kind of join with kind of represent that level of risk, Right. So in a situation for like a Kanye or somebody else who may or may not be controversial, you know, um, I'm pretty sure the people who got into bed with Kanye knew who they get in bed with. But yeah. then from the legal perspective, if I can, you know, there are ways to protect the company from something like that happening. A lot of these contracts will have like morals clauses in them. Um, so what would be a moral clause? <laughs> An example. It can be a lot of things, you know. It could be, you know, um, you get arrested for, for doing something that... Um, Being arrested is never, never great. Well, but, but it could be, usually, I mean, that might be like, if you get pulled over, right, for speeding fast, that might not be a, a that's thing. Not, yeah, that's not a yeah. violation, that's a whatever. Right, yeah. but if you're arrested for, like, you know, a bunch of cocaine in your car, like, that might be something where... Drugs and speeding ticket, I believe, will be a little, little bit different. They're a little yeah. different, right? If you kill somebody, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But what about, you know, mental illness, Right. What about, um, you know, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, I just believe in X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, some of those things may or may not be covered in a morals clause, but the, some of, usually the bigger things are, like the things that we just talked about. Yeah. Um, good relationships with, between the brands and the athletes will dictate a conversation, Yeah. right? We'll be like, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about this thing you just posted. Let's talk about, you know... Um, <laughs> this video that TMZ just posted of you at this location at this hour, right? You yeah. know what I mean? And those are conversations that you can have, but usually in contracts, there is a way for 
the company to sever the ties if necessary. And, there, and that's, again, hence being protected. But I just always wondered that because just so many people nowadays have the ability and the influence to do what they want. Sure. On, sure. And they, you can do whatever you want, technically speaking, you know, in your life, right? I and mean, obviously you break certain laws or rules, you're, you're going to be reprimanded, you're going to be punished. But on a day-to-day basis, you have the opportunity to post what you want, be able to go do what you want on your own terms, but there are consequences if you're under contract. Um, It's just a, it's a, and it's going to lead into this dynamic because you've done so much corporate situations. And we talked off air about this new day and age of, of independent influencers, independent branding and marketing. So I guess when looking at in that perspective, People are willing to, they want the clicks or they want to tease things out, but sometimes that can be on a controversial or it can be a manipulation phase. Is there, to you, what is like one of the biggest differences between the corporate side and with the independent? Just if I wanted to go out and be my own entity, mm-hmm. You know, because I just, I just look at it as, I guess, if I want to try to articulate this better, let me rephrase this. Independent, you don't have to really answer to anybody in general. Sure. It's your choice. Sure. And so if you want to post things that could be risque or possibly controversial, or you know that it's going to, to bring conversation, mm-hmm. does a company a bigger corporation company want to do that type of, I want to say manipulation, but would they, would they want to do that type of strategy? Is that a big difference in a belief? So I'd say the first thing that I will say is that if you are an individual, right, let's say like me, right. You know, besides being a lawyer, I'm generally a nobody, right? (laughs) So, you know, what if I just decided to post a bunch of crazy crap on socials, right? Yeah. Yeah. The people that follow me, would, would, would see it, right? Um, I may or may not have some repercussions from my company, like, or there might be some repercussions from doing that around the company. But, right. um, you know, generally speaking, you know, I'm not looking to be sponsored by anyone. However, that, you know, if anyone wants to sponsor me, that's fine. You know. Anyone wants to sponsor the podcast, feel free, get on here. There we go. People there help people. Go. Absolutely. But, but continue on. Um, <laughs> but so, and so, like, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not looking for that. So, I have a little bit more flexibility and leeway to kind of do what I want, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, that being said, I also have a certain image, a certain brand that I like to uphold, right? right. And so, you know, even, even as we are able to kind of do what we want, you know, I like to think we're generally governed by our own kind of codes of conduct and our own brands, right? Yeah. You won't see me doing certain things or at least posting about them because I have a certain brand to uphold. Um, that being said, people who are looking for sponsorships, who are looking for endorsements, right? Um, there is a balance between um, doing whatever you want to do, right? And producing a kind of image that might attract a certain company, right? Now, for those who do what you want to do, and you want to do it, go ahead. Like, I, I'm not going to stop you from doing that, right? Yeah. The, but you, you may only attract those companies that are highly disruptive and who are kind of like, yeah, this is great. There's somebody for everyone out there, right? With, yeah. with regards to endorsements and branding, all that stuff. That's great. 
But my my thing for most athletes, you know, entertainers, celebrities, what have you, is to if you have a certain company or brand that you're really interested in, let's say you're starting out, for instance, right? This mostly applies to like people who are starting out. Yep. Then you need to tailor your social media, your presence, your image, so that it's attractive to those kind of companies, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a balance between doing whatever you want to do, but then you kind of realize that it, it kind of slides into the area, into the realm of whatever this company is into, right? Yeah. So that you're attractive to them. That makes sense. I guess in, in certain ways, looking at just how simple it is to put out content in general now, simple it is to have a voice, do what you want to do, but to be honest, I mean, I was even going over, uh, I was taking a YouTube class seminar, you know, uh, working on how, how to, what gives more viewership on certain uh, types of these platforms. And it's saying about trying to find a niche content, your brand, right, of making sense. But also the other part is it's, it's, there's, there's a game to it. Oh, yeah. And I guess oh, yeah. that's where maybe I should have the question go is, I mean, what do you think when you look at it? What is the biggest mistake someone either makes when playing the game? Um, or how do you really kind of navigate through it if it's not dealing with, you know, trying to make mistakes? Well, I, I will say this. I don't know all of um, the metrics that all of the social media accounts use so that you kind of excel at the game. Like the algorithm right? and what gets like- it. You know, I, I'm, I think this should probably, oh, it was a, um, have you seen Black Mirror? A part of it. It was like it. on Netflix and yeah. it was like a series of, you know, and there was one where like, um, you know, you were basically judged on kind of your likes and how many people like, liked you and stuff. It's very scary because we're, we're there. Oh, we're, we're, we're there. That, that's a real, that's a real yeah. life scenario. We're there. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you know how to use the algorithm and the metrics and all that stuff to your advantage, then you can, you know exceed and excel at this game like that's that's you know without a doubt um and there's still a way to do that i think remain true to yourself and also pull in the brands that you want i'm gonna be honest with you like some of the really cool brands that are out there Mm -hmm. have really great influencers um young influencers and 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 micro celebrities who are just chill cool true people yeah you know um authenticity is really big to a lot of brands yeah. Right. And so if you can be authentic um, and still get a lot of followers for being authentic, there are brands that will pick you up. Yeah. You know, is there really is, is it possible in this day and age to not be involved with social media and to be able to. And, and this is not just now with independent, yeah, yeah. but in general, I feel like if you are not moving forward in the social media space. That's a huge percentage of whatever you're doing that's taking a hit. You know, and I, maybe you could speak on that from a, a from the corporate stand, standpoint as well. Yes, I mean, even if it was some of these companies, the clothing companies, I mean, even I was looking, thinking about with Nike, you know, when Michael Jordan came on the scene, you got the Air Jordans, you got all that that was exciting. Would they still have success if they weren't as involved with social media? Sure. But being off of it, Under Armour being off of it or not excelling, that has to take a huge hit. Is it possible to be off social media? That's a good question. And I would say um, it depends on your brand, the company. Yeah. It depends on the company. Generally speaking, probably not. Um, and there's, a, you know, the saying adapt or die, right? Yep. Um, 
and and this is I'm not an expert in this area, but I will say that um, I want to say probably like 98, 99% of the clients that I service or have some kind of social media presence. Yeah. Anywhere from construction companies to finance companies to clothing companies to beverage companies. Like it just doesn't matter. And for the athletes and other celebrities who I, I do work for, mm-hmm. they have presences that are managed usually by their managers or, you know, their publicists or some other person. But they have that because relevancy is a big thing. So authenticity is big and relevancy is big, right? In order to do that, I mean, you got to be on social media. You got to be in front of people, you know? And that, that's why I asked the question because I was a person, personally, I didn't want to be on social media. Because I didn't like having to deal with the extra stresses and also growing up with, with the last name I had and being ripped. I felt like my life was just not even mine. My family's life, it felt like people knew too much about me at the time I wanted to rein it in. Sure. But now being involved in media and trying to get going into my next career, it felt as a necessity. And I will say I've enjoyed getting to interact with people. I'm a, like to be a social guy, consider myself an extrovert. So I enjoy that component. But there's so many things that go into it now. And it just feels like that for what I was doing, I have to. Like, I, there was no other choice because of where society was going. And uh, I was just curious. It's, I think that's a constant phenomenon that's happening. We're even talking about streaming services. And, you know, that's not even social media platforms. But now that's opened up a whole new wave of um, business. Yeah. You know? But I would also say, too, I mean, if, if it's not social media, if it's not kind of getting out there, putting yourself out there um, through one of those channels, what else would you do nowadays, right? I think that's, that's the flip side of that is like, what, how do you market yourself? How do you brand yourself um, if you're not standing on a rooftop shouting, if you're not like the newspaper anymore, generally speaking. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. Well, back back then, you know, hearing, if you talk to the, the past generation's parents, you know, about even for jobs going in, the application process being there. I mean, we're talking about so, social media thing. LinkedIn is a social media yeah, sure. uh, platform. Yeah. And that's one of the largest ways that people connect now in the business world. So I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I, do a lot of people just, cold call or walk right in anymore and be like, hey, but also, but has that changed the game? But as the perception of it, because we're talking about it from a, a branding standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, you go in and say, hey, I have something, maybe you have a resume, or would they rather go in and check out a portfolio online that has X, Y, and Z information about you? That is a great question. And I think what's different between kind of the... The olden days, or you know, even even maybe like ten years ago to now. <laughs> the old days, the you old know, days. Ten, ten years yeah, ago. Exactly. That's it's not a long time. Reiterating forever ago, right? forever. Um, is that you know you kind of had to appear in person for validation, right? Yeah. The authenticity check was in person. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, I mean, if you have a certain amount of followers, if you have a blue check mark. If you have a kind of life, it could even be curated, right? It might not even be, like, we're talking about authenticity. Yeah, it might be authentic, but it might not be as authentic as it looks, right? Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, companies will pick up on that. And they'll say, like, oh, this person has, like, you know, 50,000 followers. They have a blue check mark. They're really big in, I don't know, surfing. Yeah. You know, let's see if we can tap them for, you know, 
surf company. Let's see if we can tap them to kind of represent our brand. Yeah. And, you know, but that, that's the initial kind of introduction. Then after that, we'll get on the phone with them. We'll do a Zoom call. You know, then after that, maybe we'll fly them out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's a process still to get to that point, but yeah. the interest itself is peaked more it's so online because that's more eye grabbing. And, that, and that's, I would be curious if anyone who listens to this and actually says, my last job that I've had currently in the last 10 years, I went in and I interviewed for it. I, I will say, I think still the part of, so I've had friends who they got recommended by someone that went to a different company and got a call. And I think that still happens. But the, the days of, you know, my mom was telling me about when she was at the University of Maryland and she wanted a job even at Bentley's, you know, the college bar there. Oh, yeah, Bentley's. So uh, she went there constantly mm-hmm. and asking and it was being turned down. And then finally, she got told yes. Yeah. Right. Nowadays, it just doesn't feel, you know, and that's where the times have changed, but it's really fascinating to me on that sense because right now I don't have as large of a social media presence yet, trying to grow it and eventually I think it will and hopefully I have a couple of good things to say here and there that people would want to. But I've even had back of show me X, Y, and Z of what, what you've had with your, your career. And I'm like, well, I played, I played baseball. I, um, and I always tell people I, I, the, the, my resume always feels better if I can meet with somebody, but to get to that point is not always the same. You know, it's funny you should say that. Um, there, well, first, let me say this. There are some industries where nothing will replace, I think at least for right now, like the kind of personal connection in your face, like interview, right? Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, the legal profession, and I'm sorry, a lot of other professions, but I'm, I'm a lawyer, so legal profession. Like, yeah, you got to, yeah. you know, I've interviewed people on Zoom, but we always bring them in at some point to meet with somebody in person. Face to face. Because yeah. you're, you're talking authenticity there, Right. You're talking about um, fit a lot of times, yeah. right? Um, and that could be cultural fit, that could be whatever, but like, and it's a real thing. Like, you, you know, you, you need that kind of one-on-one with the person or whatever the panel is as you're interviewing them to kind of be like, okay, we have your resume. We've looked at your LinkedIn, you know, we've stalked your social media presence, cool. <laughs> but what, you know, if you're kind of hunkered down in the bunker with us, like, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, will you be the kind of person that I can call on at, um, I want to say two o'clock in the morning because any firm that does that, got, you know, but sometimes I say two o'clock in the morning. Can you be, will you be that guy that kind of, you know, I can call on and be like, hey, listen, I need your, you know, I need your help. I, yeah. And so um, I agree with you. There are some industries and there's some things that, that won't replace kind of the, the, the in-person um, interactions or like that, you know, there's, a, there's still a need for that. Yeah. Right. But like at the end of the day, content is king, man. Like, content is king. It is. You know, and if you have a social media presence, and I know lawyers who are, you know, really big in social media, but they use it to grow their businesses. They use it to get clients. Right. You know? Well, and that, that, that's, again, with the evolving with the times, that's where people, if they have, I feel if you have podcasts, it's either that people are trying to, in some one way or another, it's growing your presence or growing, growing your, your brand cli- or presence or clients, right? It's, it's kind of like those things mixed together. And you're right, but that people have to get more online if they're going to reach and try to reach a vaster audience. Yeah. Unless you're so specialized or you're so counted on with what you do um, that you can be needed, you know, or that it's not going to change the face of it. But I feel like we're involved with so many things. So now you've been out... Again, you've been practicing, you said, for eight years, ten years? Eight years. 
So you got to see pre-COVID to post-COVID situations. Yeah. Has there been, is there anything that surprised you in this process that's made it more challenging, more easy as far as how you handle your own business? And especially transitioning over from, you know, Under Armour moving forward. I mean, that's a transition in itself, just moving to a different opportunity. Um, I will say for a lot of clients, I mean, you know, we couldn't do anything or go anywhere for almost two years, right? Um, And so the online presence became a big deal. It became a really big deal, right? Because you you weren't interviewing people in person. You were interviewing them through Zoom, right? Um, You know, and so if you could curate a kind of lifestyle profile experience for people online, that's, that's the only thing that people had to go on during yeah. that time period, right? So there's yeah. a lot of emphasis put on social media, put on um, kind of videos and those kind of interactions because no, no one was meeting in person. Um, so that being said, you know, once we kind of came out of that, you know, you start to see a slow pickup, you know, mm-hmm. are people trying to meet kind of one-on-one in person, but it, it really just showed us that, you know, again, content remains king. And that the people who are really good with monetizing social media, right, and who are really good at putting themselves out there on social media, who are really good about, you know, um, developing and curating kind of life that would draw companies to them, draw other people to them, they just really thrived during that yeah. process. And they're thriving now even after COVID. And they, they, they continue to go. And I guess with your field, I was just curious if it – things really change because your job stays the same. Like what you're doing stays the same. I just didn't know if that became more of a challenge, if it became more relaxing. I guess maybe over time, you know, once you've been doing things for a little bit longer, you're going to be more comfortable with practicing law or whatever you're involved with. Yeah, I mean, like nothing really changed. You know, I learned that I was uh, a little bit more of an introvert than I thought I was. But at the same time, you know, I kind of went crazy. At home by myself, you know. Fair enough. A lot of people did. But um, um, I think from the practice of law perspective, we still had to, especially with IP. Like, yeah. So IP is the area where, like, you know, you have deadlines. Things things happen, right? Yeah. Some of the other practices and areas of law, like, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of trials were canceled or at least delayed yeah. right, or postponed or, you know, what have you. Um, you know, in the corporate world, a lot of deals kind of just fizzled or they died or they didn't, you know, happen. A lot of PE firms weren't really doing a lot during that time period. Um, but for certain areas of the law, like, you know, you have to protect your brand regardless. That yeah. doesn't stop, right? That doesn't stop. And for me, you know, I work on an international scale. So I have clients who are based in the U.S., but they're, they've, you know, have presences in China and Australia and right. the EU and, you know, different countries in Latin America. And so I'm still working with, the pandemic so working with foreign associates and colleagues in those countries to make right. sure that the clients brands are protected worldwide yeah you know? so that part that part didn't really change how we interacted with each other changed this is the biggest part to change it's yeah I'm, I'm, we're gonna have to have more of a sit down so you can explain to me about how i can get my branding my my shit together for lack of a better term because i feel like there's so many intricacies in and out that you got to learn as it goes, but we talked a lot about kind of business stuff. So we'll, we'll, we're going to shift now to more fun things because I've become a bigger food person, but not as much as you in general. With well, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, who doesn't love food first yeah. off? But secondly, 
that's a concept where I, I've been way more trying to get more involved with it. Girlfriend Jamie loves cooking, loves being involved with food. So maybe why don't you just, for everyone, walk me through a few places or things that you like, what draws you to it. Because that was one of the first things yeah, I took yeah. away was you know a lot about the, the branding, marketing, lawyer side of business to, man, I like, I like food like this. I'm like, oh, no, you're serious about food. It's not like you, you like it just to eat it. You love it because of the you know, experience. There, there's a fat guy uh, inside of me somewhere. Um, but no, I, I absolutely love food, man. And um, so as to not kind of think that I'm being sponsored by any of these restaurants, I will, I will say that um, there are a few Baltimore locals that I really, really love. Um, one of which uh, is Basque Cuisine. And it's just so good. I just sit at the bar, have a great meal, great conversation with the bartenders, um, and just really good food. For me, there's a few, th- a few things that like kind of highlight like a good food experience. Okay, right? I need to hear this. Right. So this has to be good food. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go high food. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. But it doesn't one. have to be like high, you know, high-end food. Like, it doesn't have to be like Michelin star restaurants. Like, right. I've eaten at Michelin star, and I was like, okay, it's good, but, you know, not, you know. Um, so it doesn't have to be high end. It just has to be good food. The ambiance has to be good. Right? Uh, I like I like where you're going. You know with what that. I mean? And it yep. doesn't like it could be. It's varied and it's vast. Like it doesn't have to be a certain type. Like, but it has to mesh well. It has to make sense to me, right? The music has to make sense to me, right? Like mm-hmm. it just the decor has to make sense to me. <laughs> this sounds very like American Psycho right now. It, it's perfect. You know what? <laughs> but this is but this is the stuff that makes happen. I will say, my mom would love that. My mom every time she goes by. Technical about it. this is why again, if you guys want to hear more about food, about yeah. what really goes into the experience, this is. The I guy. mean, listen, and and then the the other piece for me is just like, you know, I love when like the waiter or waitress comes over and they're just like, you know, this is what you should get, mm-hmm. you know, and not just because they're trying to sell something on the menu, but because like they are really invested in a restaurant. You can tell too, right? If they like really like, no, this is it. You know, because for me, it just enhances the experience even more. Right? Oh, it has to. So just to, to go it again, food has to be good. Has, well, clearly, it has to be good. It has to be good. The, the ambiance. The attention to detail. Attention to detail, yeah. And then if you're able to have the connection with the, if the, if the staff members have a connection with you where you feel like they're invested in the food. Yeah. So I, I want to get more. So I, I want to try more foods and places. So can you just give me a couple that need to be on my list? We can even sit down. We can even go video us going to these places. Oh, absolutely, time. and just and try some good places. Yes. Yeah, man. So what's so, what's a place or two that you're like, you know what? I need to go here. Yeah. And what I need yeah. to go, and then maybe if they hear this, they'll be like, you know what? We'll we'll just set it up and come in. Well, that'd be nice, but not gonna expect it. So I will say in Baltimore, my favorite restaurant is La Cuchara. Ooh. By far. I mean, you know this. I told you this. I, I like, know, I know, but everyone else needs to know. It is, it is my favorite restaurant. And it, it, for me, it does all of those things. Like, the food is great. The service is great. Um, everyone's knowledgeable. Um, I've, I mean, I, got, it's just, I just can't say enough about it. It's just really, really, really good. I, I don't think I've been there since the beginning. And same, same vibe. Maybe, I, And that's probably a problem because I've been away for so long. But same thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I can't even remember all... The good stuff, and if the hopefully, I don't see that it's changed. It seems like it's thriving, it alive, changed. and well. It hasn't changed. Um, then I would say probably I went here last night. Um, Clavel, uh, place. Yeah, 
So my recommendation for so, those who love yeah, Clavel. Okay. I need to know what your order is then. <laughs> so for the longest time, I was getting tacos. Um, and one of my buddies was like, bro, no, don't get the tacos. You need to get the sandwich. I'm like, why am I going to a taco place for a sandwich? Right? So next time you go to Clavel, get the torta. It's a sandwich. It's got avocado, tomato, lettuce. I think it's mayonnaise. Um, and you can fill it with any kind of the meats that they have, right? Yeah. But get the carne de res torta. Oh, my God. Game changer. Game changer, man. And so for the longest time, I was getting nothing but carne de res tortas. All right. So I need to go there tomorrow. Pronto. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yes. So besides those two restaurants, then what are foods in you? have to have like a, a food you cannot live without or food you can eat all the time yeah it would, it would have to be within like mexican food it's like my favorite that's it right there then italian okay and then uh if we're doing anything but american then it would have to be probably like either chinese or japanese but and people are going to hate me but american chinese which i've heard is very different if you go over there and japanese and specifically Japanese barbecue. Okay. Can you define what is Japanese barbecue? It's just a whole bunch of delicious meats with awesome flavor on an open flame. That's really amazing. We have, we'll go to a Japanese Okay, please. Yeah. And we will, we'll I, we will document we'll, we'll it go. because we'll I don't know if I've had that. We'll yeah. we'll I don't go. know if I've had it, but I want it right now. I don't know if it's just because. I don't know if there's one in Baltimore, but there's Korean barbecue. Which, which I love. Which is good, but I need to hear about this Japanese barbecue. Yeah, I, I need to do it. So, okay, we're going to wrap up here with a few things. That was the fun part of it. But maybe just, I like to try to close with, and it's usually like a quick hitters of whatnot, but in this case, since we've already, the quick hitter was explaining how much food we need to eat. If you can look back on your time so far, what is one of the biggest lessons you've learned as a professional? Yeah, no, it would be to say yes. Say yes. Very strange, right? Say yes. Um, the experiences that I've had in my life so far, I have no regrets in anything mm-hmm. that I've ever done. Um, and the experiences that I've had have all because all been because I've said yes. Um, you know, starting my, my legal practice in-house was because I said yes. Um, you know, going to the firm that I am at right now, which I love, and I, you know, Womble Bond Dickinson is a, is a great firm. Um, it's because I said yes, right? Um, some of the experiences that I've had in college and in law school have been because I've said yes, right? And I think for, especially some of your younger viewers, is, you know, don't, don't be afraid of kind of the, um, what's the word, what am I trying to say? Like, don't, there's always a possibility that you'll enjoy whatever it is. Right. Even if you don't think you will. And even if you don't, you've learned something through the process. Right? Yeah. As I told you, I was in a totally different area of law for like four years in between, law school, in between undergrad and law school. And I thought yeah. that was my path. And because I said yes to something else, you know, here I am today. And I'm, I'm so happy that I did. Right? So it would be say yes. And then, if I may, a second thing would be, yeah. you know, um, it's all about, you know, who you know, but all about also who knows you. Because what you want to do is develop a, a, a group around you, people who 
you know, you know, like, yeah, I know you, I know you, I know you, right? For like favors and stuff like that or just people. But also it's like, who knows you? Because those are the people who will talk good about you when you're not in the room, right? Those are the people that will lift you up when you're not there, right? Yeah. And some of my experiences, a lot of my experiences have been because people knew me and they said, oh yeah, Nick Hawkins, yeah, you should go to him for X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah, Nick Hawkins, maybe he would be good for this, right? Then I'll get an email or a call that'd be like, Nick, you were recommended by so-and-so. I was like, who are you, right? Yeah. But that's, that's the beautiful part of like the world is like, you know, you can know a lot of people, but who knows you, you know, that's, that really helps you kind of grow your network. I love that because I think always the other way around, we think it's the other, yeah. we always are saying the other phrase and yeah. you already mentioned it, it's who do you know? Yeah. I love the who knows you. Yeah. And it feels even more empowering in that sense as well of if you're able to, it almost feels like you can be in a little bit more of control of that. And, and I don't know, that, that's cool. That's why I love to ask these questions though. If you have any of those tidbits, you can throw them out or you can just text me for a daily or weekly to <laughs> no, be like, listen, I need man. my yeah. motivation. Yeah, yeah. Because that matters, yeah. you know, and, and I think that people need to hear that as you're going through life that, look, you're not going to have it figured out. You're not, it's no. not, it's not going to be no. going the way that you want, but, no. yeah. but it's helpful for someone that's going through that to see that this, this, exactly. this was successful when you didn't think that exactly. this was going to be an option. So last thing then. It's going off of that. I close with a piece of advice. One of your best pieces of advice that you like to live by. Um, I'm a huge helper, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I enjoy... Um, so this is also why I became a lawyer. I enjoy getting people kind of the end result that they want, mm -hmm. right? But I'm also the kind of person that would like... I don't know. If I see somebody struggling and I'm walking down the street, I'm going to help them out. Like right. if I, you know, um, and I think people appreciate people who aren't too busy for them. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me, being a lawyer is all about just helping people. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, for better or worse, you know, sometimes it's like, oh my God, but you know, it's just, it's a helping profession. It's a professional yeah. service profession. So, um, yeah, you know, walk around with open hands you know, and be willing to just help people, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think what's difficult with, uh, you know, well, <laughs> I'm like an old man, the young generation, you know, is that like, and especially when we talk about like, you know, the kind of social media presence, stuff like that, it's like, it's me, 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 me. But like, you'll be surprised at how far you get when you go to somebody and say like, you know what, you have a problem, I have a solution. Or let me help you do that. Right? Yeah. So one of my biggest pieces of advice to give people is be a helper. Be a helper. Be a helper. I think that's simple. And I think always when you do that, I'm a big believer of this as well. If your intentions are good and you're trying to do the right thing for others and not trying to exploit just because you want to, you think it's going to be in your greater success. Right, right. right. That's one thing. Yeah. But to actually genuinely go and try to make a difference because it's going to help, I think in, at the end of it, you're going to find both parties having more success Absolutely. because of it. Absolutely. So that's, that, that's, you got some sayings, you got some food I got to hit, and you gave some great insight into branding, marketing, what else I need to figure out. So again, maybe I'll hire you in the future. But Nick, it's all I got for you. I really appreciate pleasure, you coming man. on. Yeah, thank you. And we will, everyone stay tuned when we document our food adventures. But thanks, Nick. That does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Nick Hawkins. It was a pleasure to do it with him. And again, as a reminder, 
please like, subscribe, and review this podcast. It's the best way for me to grow this podcast, but more importantly, I want to make this a better experience for all of you. So please, any feedback is welcomed, and I will see you next week for another episode of Off Script with Rip.